Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Bridget Jones's Baby. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware that there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Hello. <laughs> Hello there. I love your background. Yeah, it's Mr. Frederick Durst, friend of the podcast. <laughs> friend of the podcast, Frederick Durstington Third. <laughs> I, I Durst beseech you to enjoy his image. And his his recent doppelganger, Dread First. Yeah, Dread First, a man who has hair and a moustache. <laughs> a man with hair and a moustache. And appeared on stage at a, a festival in the US. In yes. place of Fred Durst. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's remarkable that he can he can um, act in the same way as as Fred Durst so well. Actually, you don't expect that from a doppelganger. You normally expect there to be some kind of hint, but in reality, it's a perfect replica aside from the hair and mustache, as mentioned. Yeah, he's got one of those mustaches where it's shaved on the chin, and there's no beard, but it's like a long goatee as it comes down. Yeah. Like an, old, like an old, old-time cowboy. Yeah, exactly. Cowboy Fred Durst. Yeah, that's what we've all been waiting for. Cowboy Fred Durst. Yeah, I want him to make a country album. I actually would love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> did it all for the cowboys. What? The cowboys. Yeah, the cowboys. So you so can you- <laughs> take those... Yeah, nothing rhymes with cowboys, does it? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, how are you today? Aside yeah, from yeah, not Fred not Durst too bad, up. not too bad. I'm enjoying, yeah, enjoying those um, reading about Limp Biscuit kicking again, and I feel like we should go and see them when they next come to the UK. Now that gigs are potentially maybe happening again soon, but apparently at the end of their set, instead of playing a new song live, they played the studio recording of their new song that no one had ever heard, and Fred Durst ran around throwing T-shirts into the crowd. So it was maybe more akin to like WrestleMania or something. I mean, when I go to see a band like Limp Bizkit, I expect there to be at least some crossover with events like WrestleMania, to be honest. Yeah. but you the know pa- did- The pageantry, for instance. Yeah, that's true, actually, isn't it? I mean, were you ever into wrestling? Not really. It used to be on TV in the mornings at weekends. and when I say I was were, bored. as if it's something you couldn't possibly be into now. If you are into <laughs> wrestling, then, of course, that's fine. It's a legitimate interest thing. I just feel like a lot of people around the time that we were into new metal, but also into wrestling. Yeah, that's right. It was a... They often went hand in hand, and I think particularly when you're a teenager, there is that kind of... Um, that draw into the wrestling world. And I used to watch it, but I wasn't really... A, when I was bored, I'd put it on um, and continue to be mildly less bored. Um, I do enjoy the ridiculousness of it, um, and wrestling video games in particular are often quite good fun. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, I've never never been a, a huge huge fan of wrestling. I feel like it's it's something that if I dedicated a lot of time to sort of reading about the minutiae and understanding all the intricacies of it, I think I could really enjoy it. 
but even just as pure spectacle if i ever see it i'm like oh this is cool this is fun this is this is goofy and loud and explosive i'm, I'm into this but i never like, i never really got into it properly i think i was put off when in year six one of my classmates who was cooler than me hi alistair if you're listening um got in trouble for writing do you smell what the rock is cooking on the front of his exercise book <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible the teacher um, was like for some reason really furious about it oh that's amazing i wonder why maybe they had a bad experience maybe they got um uh i'm trying to think of a tombstoned at once <laughs> yeah and uh and they never quite got over the, the 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 mockery that they had of being beaten in a wrestling match by the undertaker yeah maybe she got the people's elbow <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly now I, I think wrestling is fascinating because it's basically it's like a never-ending opera almost where mm. you've got the you've got the fighting which takes the place of the singing and instead you've then got the sort of narrative segments that continue onwards but it never ends and it just keeps going and going and going it's it's sport meets pageantry meets a soap opera almost it's a really fascinating thing and a lot of henchmen in leotards <laughs> exactly which is the, the best bit of wrestling um but I, I i find it really interesting and i think the sort of um when you look into kind of the politics of it and the and the behind the scenes stuff of when people turn into heels it's um it's really interesting um, mm. But it's not. It's not anything. I've never really been able to get into it. Into it, I suppose. Um, but I, I think you're right. It takes a lot of dedication to to keep up with it, particularly here in the UK. Yeah, for sure. They used to like have wrestling events in the UK. Where they bring it over for the UK fans, I think. But I don't know how much that happens these days. Obviously, given yeah. this, the current circumstances, and and of course you've got UK wrestling as well. Um, yeah, where you've got sort of like Billy Black Pudding beating up Barry. Bean can. I, th- I genuinely mortal, thought that was a real person. <laughs> mortal enemies of the UK wrestling scene. Billy um, Black Pudding, Sammy Sausage. <laughs> yeah. Their team's called the Full English. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the People's Breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Beans. He's the main guy. Um, but yeah, but you, you do have kind of um, you, you you do have sort of wrestling stuff on don't you um but it's um it's it's not as big and american as wwe or the the various other strands of wrestling in america things are only good if they're big and american i mean this is something that we've learned throughout the course of our show about film right films are only good if they're big and american yeah that that's exactly right you know there are no good british films There are no good British films. Um, case in point, Bridget Jones is neatly baby. on to this week's <laughs> this week's film. Did you enjoy Bridget Jones's Baby? I kind of did, but not really. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I think if this movie had come out two years after Bridget Jones two then it would have been absolutely fine. And obviously you wouldn't have had the it's been 10 years thing. Instead, it could just be a couple of years. Yeah. Um, but the content of it could have been exactly the same, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it kind of ignores the fact that movies have moved on an awful lot. And that doesn't mean that you can't look back on previously successful and popular movies and, and emulate them. Um, but it it didn't feel fresh enough 
if you know what I mean. Like, like you could have done a Bridget Jones movie in 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 whenever this came out, twenty sixteen, wasn't it? Twenty sixteen, yeah. Um, you could you could have done one then, perfectly fine. But the template was almost exactly the same as the old ones. It made it feel rather dated. Um, You're right, actually. I didn't think of it as dated while I was watching it, but it actually does feel really weirdly dated, even though it's only five years old, doesn't it? Yeah, and it doesn't help that they keep going on about oh, millennials, young people. Back in my day, things used to be fine. You used to Ugh. have a rather than a rather than a boss who wants you to do weird news. Unlike my old boss, which always wanted me to do weird news, um, which was something that really annoyed me. Um, <laughs> can I, can I, sorry, sorry. I know this is Go a really Bridget, get down the pig farm, fall this... into a pile of pig shit. That's yeah. what I want to see. Well, yeah, th- 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 this is a minor point. And I was going to bring it up later in the episode, but since we've kind of naturally come on to it, it really annoyed me that this movie set up this 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 news channel wanting to do trashy news as something that Bridget Jones would be against, given that for the entirety of the other two movies, it was never about ethics in Bridget Jones journalism. <laughs> it was all about TV Newsgate. It was it was all about falling into piles of pig shit or falling going down a fireman's pole or or parachuting or whatever other things she did to get her ass out on television and now Um, they're trying to be gb news (laughs) yeah exactly and so i found it really strange that they kind of set it up as this big clash of ideas particularly given that i think her old boss is in this movie as well isn't he it's the same guy guy. um who has uh, and so nobody involved in this production has any reason to be critical of these people coming in and saying oh yeah well let's interview this this romance guy um because that's still a damn sight more um more ethical and interesting from a from a news perspective than what they were doing back back in 2001 in in these movies it was Um, all hey here's some hunky firemen sexy firemen are sexy aren't they i'm gonna slide down the pole now here's my bum and since we are here and this might be a leap um, but since we talked about class in the previous episode about Bridget Jones and 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 the idea of class that was in there, and I'd... her terrible, messy, not very good flat in uh, Borough Market, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I did find it Zone One's Borough Market. I did find it a little bit grating that the 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 young woman undermining the news was um, was Northern. And the only northern person in the entirety of the Bridget Jones yeah. series of movies. That was um, really odd, wasn't it? It seemed a bit classist and a bit um, elitist, to be honest. That the only northern person is this is this person who's coming in and destroying the the ethics of Bridget Jones TV, BJ yeah. TV. Um, and then we've obviously got all of these people that aren't prim and proper Et- Etonians with their man buns and beards coming in um it all felt really weird and stuffy which i think was very odd it felt very tired in that regard and it's the first time that i've watched these films and thought oh yeah this is a good representation of who's working in this because if you did come in here from somewhere who wasn't from eton there would be these people like bridget jones and her friends that are really fucking annoyed that you didn't go to the same private school as them um yeah and so yeah that that really got on my nerves very very quickly um, and I thought it was a really odd, an odd decision. I know it's only a minor thing, but it really got on my fucking nerves. It's a minor it really thing, did. but the, 
it's an important part of it. As as you said, it feeds into the overall feeling of stuffiness that the film has yeah. and the tiredness yeah. that it has. And I think tired is the right word because by now we're on the third film. The second one was okay, wasn't it? It was passable, but this one just feels like it's much later and they're still flogging the same horse, aren't they? Yeah. And, and admittedly and... the horse went to Eton, but that doesn't mean that it's... <laughs> It's relevant to all of us. It's it's still about time for it to be put into some Iceland burgers, if you ask me. Yeah, it's um, too old for the dressage at this year's Olympics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, that's not to say that I didn't think this movie was fine. It it was passable, and I think the moments where it kind of gets into its groove a little bit um, work quite well. But it does... You know, Bridget's friends have all moved on, even though they still seem to be exactly the same people. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised they didn't do more. They kind of basically had one scene, didn't they, where it was like, ha ha, my friends have all got kids, lol. Um, aren't kids awful? They they poo everywhere and they scream and they run around and they and they muck about and stuff. I expected more of that about. kind of stuffiness. <laughs> You know, kids in films like this are always depicted as being a nightmare and they never kind of show the joy of it. I was surprised that it didn't go down that road. But then I suppose it was about she was about to have a baby and then be completely and utterly, ultimately, completely fulfilled by that. So, yeah, I do think it would have been mixed messages of this movie if they did have her being like, oh, kids are a nightmare. Yeah. Um, so, Instead, so at least she they dances with the kids to Gangnam Style at the party, which was actually quite nice. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then has sex with with Darcy. Who um, is very fusty. He he is fussy, isn't he? No, fusty. Oh, fusty. He's um, also fussy as well. <laughs> yes, he yeah. is fusty. Fusty, um, but defending fussy. Pussy Riot in court, which I thought was actually quite fun, that bit. Or a band that's supposed to be like Yeah, Pussy the, Riot, the, the allegory for Pussy Riot I thought was rather good. They were like... called Poonani. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, there's a few things in this movie that feel dated. Um, that reference really puts it in a specific time period, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but it was... Well, it was, it was Pussy Riot are up to these days. It, it was good. Um, there, there was one other thing I wanted to call out, which really, um, which really <laughs> dated this movie very quickly, which is they make a very minor reference to Prince Andrew, um, and suggest that he's writing a children's book. I was about to mention um, that. No, I knew you didn't Bridget Jones's baby. <laughs> no. Oh dear. Yeah. Um, that, you wouldn't that be surprised has, if they edited that scene out. Yeah, that has not aged particularly well, has it? No. Um, let's be honest. Enemy of the podcast, Prince Andrew, um, yeah. <laughs> does get a mention in, in this movie um, very briefly. But yeah, that that certainly made me raise an eyebrow and, and pay attention. Um, but but it 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 came in a scene which I thought quite worked, which was Bridget Jones continuing to try and live her vibrant life, which she never really had in the original movies. You never got the sense that she was going out clubbing all the time or partying with her friends in the in the previous films. But here it suggested, I can't go out and do this stuff with my friends anymore. It's like, oh, did you ever really do it? It seemed as though you were more of a dinner party and then getting drunk in a bar person rather than warehouse raves and yeah. and festivals. I don't remember there being any sort of all-night cocaine benders. In, no, uh, no. Yeah, the original ones. Um, but, but I did appreciate the scenes where she was trying to tap into that kind of scene a bit more. Um, which, which I thought was quite, um, I, I thought that was quite interesting. Um, and, um, and I did enjoy the festival stuff sort of, um, 
you know, you knew like, she was going to fall in the mud. She, I mean, instantly. She's gonna... this this film's big shit, isn't it? Yeah, she's gonna she's gonna fall in the mud instantly. But at um, least it's time it's not on camera. But instead, <laughs> she's being watched by Doctor Sexy from Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, Doctor Doctor Grey Hair's Anatomy. Yeah, sexy um, sexy Doctor Man. Sec- <laughs> that was the original original name of his character, I think, wasn't it? In Grey's Anatomy. Oh, that was the whole name of the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever um, watch that show? No, no. I, I had I have no time for for stuff like that. I'm you know it serves a purpose, but um, not not for me. Not for it me. always looked to me like Scrubs, but serious, which is just like no. <laughs> why would you? you why would you want to watch Grey's Anatomy when you could watch uh, Casualty or Holby <laughs> Holby City? Oh my god, Holby City! Who is that for? <laughs> It's for old people, I I'll guess. tell I'll tell you what Holby City is for. Holby City is for the age before Freeview and Netflix, where you had yeah. to watch whatever was on on a Friday night um, if you weren't going anywhere, and the BBC would just say, "This is on you hogs. You're going to watch it, <laughs> and you're going to tolerate it." Um, I, w- I wonder what the I take it Holby City is still on TV. It must be Casualty. I'm sure is Casualty at least has a good theme tune. That's true. It's true. Casualty does have a good theme tune. Not as good as the bill, but no. you know, it's up there. That is genuinely an excellent theme tune. I think the British aren't the best in the world at many things, but TV theme tunes was something that we were once kings of. We absolutely nailed that for a, for a period of, oh, let's say what, like, Early nineties to mid two thousands. Well, I'd I'd go earlier than that. I think. Yeah, some good ones in the eighties as well. You had some great ones in the from the sixties onwards. You had some really brilliant, um, had some really brilliant um, theme tunes. Um, But I mean, it's all it's all gone to pot now. Um, Brexit has ruined our chances of ever having a good TV theme tune again. This is the thing about theme tunes that you don't didn't realise they were all imported from Europe. That that's the thing they are. You know, we claim them as our own, but secretly <laughs> they're all imports. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, there, there's something we were great at. You know, uh, Antiques Roadshow, of course, Grandstand, yeah, um, oh, Ski Sunday. <laughs> but, but then you've even got, um, you know, when they used other people's songs for it, like using The Chain by Fleetwood Mac for Formula One, which yep. happened for, for, for decades. Um, well, not, not The Chain, but the outro of The Chain. Yeah, yeah, the outro. Not, not the beginning. There wasn't like a four and a half minute long yeah. intro to every single Formula One race um, where they just played the song in its entirety. Listen but no, they did the, the outro. Blow. Listen yeah. to the engine. <laughs> Really loud, fucking loud. <laughs> That's just reminded me of the guy on Twitter who does um, TV theme tunes, but with lyrics sung over them. The <laughs> yes, one he did for Grandstand was so good. I'll dig that out and put it in the show notes. But you know what my favourite is? My favourite is Men Behaving Badly. You know, with the saxophone. That one is so good. That but yeah, the, it turns sassy, out it, it yeah, came from France. So yeah, oh, did it anymore. Yeah. It does have a French a French um, feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah, old men for sure. Les hommes behave mal. 
that's not bad a guy <laughs> yesterday in tesco this is a tangent but um my so for, for my birthday my friend sam got me a t-shirt with our favorite baseball player vladimir guerrero jr on it um and it says ninos grandes on the top which is spanish for big boys you know like oh, like on yes, this show yeah. we have this kind of running joke about big boys in baseball and a random like old spanish man started speaking to me in spanish in tesco yesterday because um, he saw the T-shirt, and I was able to explain to him, essay Vladimir Guerrero Jr., um, el jugador de baseball, muy uh, bien, and then I said muy placata, which is placata means home run, and he was like, ah, si, si, muy bien, and then he, and then he wandered off. Oh, that's always nice when that happens, isn't it? Yeah, it was a really, really nice interaction. I the only once... good one I've had in Tesco in a long time, because I'd say 75% of people in there aren't wearing masks now. Oh really? That's not good. In our local one. Ah, oh, that's, that's a biggie that's though. Not great. Yeah, it's a big. Old I, I've not. Stuff. I've not been. We're, we're still getting home deliveries for our food. Um. So yeah, I've not been. Not been in. Um. The only shop that I've been into is our local co-op just up the road. Um. And there, people are still wearing masks, which is nice. Good um, stuff. But uh, yeah, I I once was wearing a a vintage Liverpool shirt and had a lovely chat with another Liverpool fan once. Nice. Um, which was which was nice. Sometimes sometimes sports can bring people together. Um, For sure, like in the Olympics, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, can I mention though? We were talking about the the music festival scene. Yeah. Um, which I enjoyed in general. I thought it was quite fun. I think you could do an entire. <laughs> we're gonna get uh, content IDs. Yeah. We're gonna <laughs> gonna have to take it down. Um, <laughs> I can't. Uh, usually, I feel like I could do justice to almost any song by just like singing it myself and doing all the instruments with my mouth. But that one, you have to hear the tone of the saxophone. You do, you do. It makes all it makes all the difference. Um, but yeah, the the music festival scene is great, and I think you could do an entire spin off of just Bridget Jones in X situation. So, music festival, drug cartel, houses oh, of I- parliament. Um, <laughs> Thai Thai prison. Thai, exactly, Thai <laughs> prison. Um, you could do an entire series about about her in random situations, and it'd be brilliant. So all of the stuff of her not understanding how a festival works is great. Um, but this is also the scene where you have the big cameo, which is perhaps the biggest and the worst cameo um, of the trilogy. Um, to with, you, is it better or worse than Jeremy Paxman? Well, it's it's longer. And it's more involved, which is worse. Um, Ed Sheeran has a lot of acting cameos. He does. He's said that he'll do anything if people ask him to do it. I mean, in acting-wise, not just like literally anything. <laughs> Ed, Ed, come on the podcast. We'd love that. We would. You remember, you we remember would this? I opened for him once. Yeah, yeah. It's my you big have, story. You have supported Edward Sheeran back in, in the day. Back when he went with by his, his original name. Which yes, was Edward Ed, Edward Sheerington. Um, yeah. Shortened it a bit because it, it read better on t-shirts. Uh, true, true facts, right there. So yeah, Ed, Ed, come on the podcast. We want to talk about your cameos. Yeah, um, we could review. We could do all of his films and that episode of Game of Thrones he's in. Probably. <laughs> yes, have you Just seen his cameo context. in Game of Thrones? No, I've never seen a second of Game of Thrones. You've never, and they, I, I, we could review just that one bit that he's in. Or just for me, just completely out of context. I'll, I'll just cut it out for you, and you can. I, I don't even know if he properly speaks in that scene. It's been so long since I've seen it. Um, but yeah, no, he can come on the podcast. I, I like that they played that good song 
that I really like of his. Um, when he's I, on the stage. Yeah. Whoa, 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 Sing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I it just am sounds a cheering. Like, yeah. I am a cheering. Sounds like dr- drunk men hooting into the night. Yeah, I, 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 I legit think that song is good. I think that's probably his best song. Um, and so no problem with that. No problem with having an actual musician playing at this festival. No problem there. But bless him, he can't act. And the cameo goes on for a really long time. And then... It Better brings... or worse than his cameo in Yesterday? Ah, it's it's better. Well, that was longer and even more involved. <laughs> yeah, it, it's better than his cameo in Yesterday. He doesn't try and do any jokes. Um, he is the straight man in this situation, as opposed to um, as as opposed to being the one who who, who says a funny joke. Um, but it does bring up a a quandary of mine, which is you've got these two people who work in the media. <laughs> How would they not know who Ed Sheeran is? Yeah, that is ridiculous. Um, Everyone knows a, who Ed Sheeran is. You've got a There's TV. a lot of times like this where the film wants you to suspend disbelief, doesn't it? Like the idea that at a funeral, let alone a church funeral, they go, and now we'd like to open up the floor. You don't open up the floor at a funeral. <laughs> Maybe you do it, uh, uh, um, Daniel Cleaver's. Daniel Cleaver, that's his name, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Maybe you do it. He, he specifically requested it to make it as awkward as possible. Maybe, yeah. Um, I'm glad that he is alive, by the way, revealed at the end. Yeah, that, um, was, a, that was a good moment. I just, yeah. The film does lack Hugh Grant's energy, though. It For really sure. does. He he brought so much to the movies, and the fact that he's not in it doesn't doesn't work in its favour. And, and, and instead having two nice-ish male leads in the love triangle... Um, doesn't really work as well. I think you need one of them to be a real piece of shit. Yeah. Um, could, do you think they really could have pulled it off if they'd done this same narrative of her getting pregnant by both of them? She doesn't know which one it is, and like they have to do it. And they'd be punching each other all the time, wouldn't they? It would yeah. just be. It'd be like. It'd be like wrestling. <laughs> I think it would be. Re- I think it would have been a lot funnier and a lot more entertaining if it had been that she once again sleeps with uh, Daniel Cleaver. Um, I think that would be would work a lot better and also tie into her character quite well. Um, that, you know, you've got to sleep with the first person that you see and it just so happens that the first person that she sees is is uh, Hugh Grant. And he's up um, for it. And he's up for it. And and then him, him then being... Um, and, and I don't think you'd necessarily need to change the dynamics of the plot much after that... Um, I think him then being really into having a kid with her, I think would be a nice change of pace. And I think that would have been quite interesting to watch. And yeah. he still could have made um, made Darcy think that he definitely wasn't the father of the child. I think he could have done it in a more malicious way than, than American does in this film. Um, and maybe that would have tied back into their characters a bit more. Um, yeah. So I think it could have worked, and I think it would have been very funny, whether the audience would have liked it as much or whether they would have thought that this would have been a bit tired. But then again, this movie is a throwback to the other two films. Would the audience really have not wanted it to be even further ingrained in the the, the movies of the past, given that, you know, as far as I'm aware, this is a huge diversion from the events of the the book well yeah i from what i've read this is actually based on columns that helen fielding wrote for the telegraph um not in like the mid 2000s and there's a third book that bears no relation to this which seems which came out around the same time which seems like an odd move so what was the third book called because i thought the third book was bridget james's uh, baby 
I don't know. Bridget Jones books. No, it was called Mad About the Boy. Oh, okay. Bridget Jones's Baby, The Diaries. That's available in... That's available as a book. But is it actually the one... Or maybe it... Maybe it is? Maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong. But I, I, I think maybe, maybe they collected this together and released it around the same time. But I believe... I have read that it's based on columns. Oh, right. Okay. Um, it, either way... What a load of rubbish. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hang on. Looking at the book, Bridget Jones's Baby, The Diaries, Before Motherhood, Before Marriage, Bridget with a biological click ticking, yada, 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 finds herself pregnant, a joyful pregnancy, a terribly awkward question, who is the father, Mark Darcy or Daniel Cleaver? There you go. So in the, in the, in the, in the, um, in the, in the columns, it was Daniel Cleaver. Yeah. Why did they change it? Why did they introduce this this American into our beloved? I imagine British it's because Hugh Grant refused to do it. Well, yeah, I, I guess that's surely but, the only reason. Um, but it's just it's just such a shame. Um, Hugh Grant was probably busy attacking um, so, the press or doing Paddington or something. So, so apparently, Hugh Grant was set to rejoin the cast, but eventually declined due to not liking the script um, and not seeing how the character could fill into the story without changing him dramatically, something he didn't want. Interesting. And I wonder whether that relates to the book or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so in that case, so so Mark Darcy is is the love rival in in this in the initial work of this as well. But then there is another book where spoiler alert for the Bridget Jones um, <laughs> books, but he's dead, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he he dies, um, <laughs> and and so so what happens in the final book then? Are we going to get a fourth Bridget Jones? Yeah, it's clearly Daniel Cleaver comes back, and you find out all the cool stuff he's done while he's, while he's been away, and he goes, "I'm around now, and I've I've changed. I'm a changed man." Um, I am. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's just a bit odd. It, it felt a bit disjointed, this film. In places. It very much maybe... feels like you, you can tell that, yeah, they wrote the script originally with Daniel Cleaver in it and then had to write him out. And yeah. it sort of feels like that was a bit half-hearted, but they had to go through with it because the wheels were turning. Can I also point out that his name is Jack Quant? That is stupid, isn't which it? Which is a silly name. It's spelled Q-W-A-N-T. No one's called that. I'm just going to check. And it's supposed to be a funny, like a funny joke about him being a mathematician. Yeah. A guy who's found this like dating app algorithm or whatever. I don't, uh, Quant is a surname spelt with a U. Yeah. Apparently. But, um, but not, I don't think I've ever seen it with a, with a W before like apart from Mary Quant. The fashion designer. Yes, exactly. Um, and it's, it's yeah, it's just a bit, just a bit fumbly, isn't it? Yeah. This whole film is a bit fumbly and not in a good way. Like the first one is fumbly in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's right. Um, whereas this one, I don't know. It, like I said, it feels a bit tired um the bits that work work really well but it's very much based around set pieces rather than the progression of the characters 
Um, Which was exactly the problem with the second film. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Very similar issues to the second, but kind of... Um, kind of amplified um i did enjoy the clear product placement for clearview pregnancy tests yes uh (laughs) that was great good for them it's a match made in heaven yeah yeah um which was which was brilliant i appreciate an a strange product placement and uh and at least this one fit really friend of the show clearview pregnancy tests (laughs) they were correct about my son oh were they they are very good at the right time very good um and uh and you got lots of bum jokes again Oh yeah, the, you, you know you're going to get bum jokes. Um, you get a lot of men getting their asses out in front of a big screen. Yeah, uh, for instance. Um, but what I, I thought was really odd was that the, when it starts, she's broken up with Mark Darcy like a long time ago. But you, it's not explained why, is it? Unless I missed something. Well, eventually it gets brought up that it's because he was never present because he was working too hard. Right, but at the end of the last film, they were engaged. So yeah. you're just like, surely that's kind of a momentous thing to follow on with from, but that's just kind of, yeah, not really dealt with at all. It's just, instead, here's some kind of quite basic cringe comedy. Yeah. yeah. Like standing up in front of a funeral crowd and trying to say a few words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, how do you think this movie uh, feels in terms of not understanding the various... Um, jobs that it tries to portray do you did you feel as though tv felt accurate in this movie do you feel as though being a big lawyer man felt accurate in this uh what about running a matchmaking company did any of that feel earnest and honest to you i thought the fact that um sexy doctor man as this kind of supposed zuckerberg tech ceo type literally never does any work ever is definitely accurate <laughs> i mean yeah that was very true all he does is gallivant around you never see him doing any work on his product but he's like with her for all the baby stuff all of the time and it just wouldn't be possible if you're if you're that level or you well, it would if you chose to make it i suppose so you might think he's a nice guy but it's never even alluded to or mentioned that he's like a ceo <laughs> yeah I he'd think- at least be on his iphone all the time doing emails yeah, well, I I think you're right. He's probably an Elon Musk type. He doesn't really need to get involved yeah. at this point. It just kind of runs itself. An Elon Musk type? You mean a guy who supposedly runs all these billion-pound businesses but just spends all day posting absolute nonsense on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the side of, of Patrick Dempsey's character you don't see, is him accusing... Jack Quant's Twitter feed. <laughs> just accusing random people of being paedophiles. Yeah, and, and, and then there's a parody called Italian Jack Quant. <laughs> Yeah, it's just he's just there approving of of US backed coups in left wing countries yeah. and and calling people pedophiles and and demanding that Twitter bans parodies of him. Um, yeah, that, that that that's the movie that I want to see. Yeah, and also his like, there's a thing where she tries to match them on the dating site, isn't it? And it like tells her it's a three percent match, but it's it's all she does is type in the name. And the website looks like a GeoCities website from 1999. It's really, really odd. It's like, huh, the internet. This is what the internet looks like. Which shows you again that the people who made this film are 100 years old and extremely stuffy and know nothing about the internet or dating apps or anything that they're trying to portray. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It it really didn't feel right, did it? Um, no, she'd be using it on her phone, even in 2016. You know, I mean, yeah, 2016. You be using a dating app on a laptop, would you? 2016 was a, was a long time ago. Um, Tinder she, was around she, then, wasn't it? Yeah, t- yeah t- Tinder was around. She she could have been using it on a laptop, but, you know, she could have been using it on a phone as well. But certainly it wouldn't look the she's way that it She's only 43. She's not 80. 
yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, st- I still do loads on my laptop rather than on my phone. I'd rather have. Oh a yeah, screen. me too. I'm, I um, barely use my phone for anything, but that's that's out of choice and the kind of stuff that I do, isn't it? If I was to be, if I was single and I was online dating, I would be doing it through apps, wouldn't I? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but but you know the the writers of this movie um, were all you know not not old but beyond using things like dating apps at the time of this so you had um dan dan mazer who did um did the ali g show was a writer for that and for oh okay right um i was trying to think where i knew the name from yeah um but but ali g was so good at the time well yeah (laughs) ali ali g's was great um borat as well have you seen the second borat yet yeah yeah it's it's yeah i really enjoyed it it's very very funny um, and so, you know, he's a very talented writer, but at the same time, um, you know, adapting this alongside Emma Thompson and Helen Fielding, um, you know, there's only so much fresh reality you can bring into it, particularly when maybe the the, the viewers have also aged a decade and don't necessarily understand. So what do they what do they want to see from this? They want to see a two second clip where she puts in their names and it instantly yeah. says 97% match with me, handsome man. Sorry, only 3% match with stuffy Darcy man. Um they don't want to see the the a more complex, more more grounded version of it because it doesn't propel the plot along, does it? It it no this movie has a similar kind of issue to um to yesterday where yesterday had no real understanding of the music industry but it worked off the understanding that its audience would have who have no understanding of the industry yeah um whereas this is for people who have no understanding of television of being a barrister of, of apps. dating apps um and instead all of those things are just tools or um or obstacles put in the way uh where you can put them into set piece situations um and that's what they're there for so so in this movie's opinion it doesn't really matter if it's real or not all that matters is how can this successfully push the movie in the direction that we want to go even if it's not true at all and how can we use it to humiliate Bridget Jones once again? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, would a TV anchor really talk about um, a, a, a murderous dictator who's just died just in the way that she did just because the producer was feeding stuff to her? Um, yeah, they're like saying whatever's on the auto cue. That's Anchorman's joke, and they stole it. <laughs> well, yes, and and the point of Anchorman is, of course, that everything in it is completely ridiculous, and that Ron Burgundy is a genuine idiot. Um, yeah, and you're meant to appreciate that. Whereas that the 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 anchor in this, um, I've forgotten the character's name, um, but played by Sarah uh, Soleimani, isn't it? Yeah, um, I thought she was very funny, actually. A very yes. charismatic screen presence. Yeah, no, she was she was a real um there was a few new additions to the to the um cast who I think did really well. Um she was great. I liked Emma Thompson as the doctor. Um but then I, I did and I didn't, but we'll we'll get onto that. <laughs> sure, okay. Um and you had Joanne. I have a lot of thoughts about the the ending and all the birth scene and all that. But again, is that that it's just not uh accurate? Yeah, it's, it's it's inaccurate in the most egregious and disingenuous way. But it, but this isn't a movie about showing a realistic birth. This is a movie no, I'm, about. I'm not saying it should be like one born every minute, but it's like 
<laughs> this whenever birth is shown on film it's like this it's women screaming there's always some kind of sexist he, sexist joke going on in this one it was one of the worst worst examples ever where she's like persuading the men that they don't need to be there and she says not much for you to gain from being at that end it's like seeing your favorite pub burn down or like her husband said that or whatever and i just thought that was horrendous actually i hated that yeah it was a it was a bad sexist joke in, in and then it's like the useless dads are sat outside um and they, they also bundle a woman in labor through a door through like a revolving door for laughs which is ridiculous and dangerous and there's also but on top of all that there's this kind of myth of that you have the same doctor for every appointment and the delivery and all that and you do not get that with the nhs certainly not in london maybe you do in some other parts of the country but that was not our experience at all and i don't know anyone else who has had that experience it's a different person at every appointment um and that and that's just kind of how it is but and then you also don't necessarily get your own room like lovely room like that unless you're having a natural birth in the lovely birth center it looked like a private hospital but at one point it's kind of it shows on screen there was some nhs stuff so they clearly wanted to buy into that like oh great british nhs thing by showing a complete myth so on top of all the other sexist stuff there was that as well and it was just like just ridiculous and awful yeah let's be honest bridget jones TV producer, clearly from a decent enough background. Her two potential fathers of her child are both incredibly rich. One of them obscenely rich. Is she really going to be in a um, a public hospital like that? Um, so I, I didn't even I didn't even notice the NHS stuff in my head. I was just like, oh yeah, this is a private a private service. Um, yeah. So no, I just think you, you know it, it's okay to play fast and loose with the truth in in these kinds of films, you know. And a romantic comedy does not need to be accurate, but at the same time, these kinds of films do have a responsibility not to spread myths and not to spread sexism and stuff, don't they? And I just thought the way it approached birth and labour, and it also spent bloody ages on it as well. It's like suddenly we've we're looking at the runtime it's like it's is well over the runtime of the other two films and she still hasn't even given birth yet no here's some more jokes at the expense of dads Didn't i think like i think you're sensitive because you're a dad you're, you're well yeah you're being, a, you're being a snowflake over this yeah um I, I didn't think this was any more egregious than most births in soppy movies like this no it's never um, good is my no 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 yeah, and, and, it, yeah. and it's never good i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily say it was any worse than a lot of them um it's just yeah another example of this movie not really understanding reality and and putting forward this very saccharine view of of it all um and but but i would say in a movie about her baby um i'd imagine they probably would have spent a lot of time on the birth yeah, it's just that by the time they got to it, there had been so many boring gags that you'd had enough. Oh, yeah. Well, that was the main problem. The film with is this. over two hours long. That's the main problem with this movie in general, is it is over long. It's not funny enough. Um, there was one other person that I wanted to mention in terms of the, the, the new characters, by the way, was was Kathy, the makeup lady played by Joanna Scanlon. Yeah, um, who AKA... you always think of as Terry from The Thick of It. <laughs> exactly. She's and been in loads of stuff. She's been in, she's been in loads, but yeah, Terry from The Thick of It is what she's most known as. And yes, she's great in this as well. Um, more of her in things, please. Um, she's she's going to be in a an adaptation of The Darling Buds of May. Um, oh, okay. Uh, 
which I think is coming out this year with with her and Bradley Walsh, uh, which is which him is, off of him, the chase. Him off of the chase, yeah. Um, which I will potentially watch. We'll have to see. Um, but that's uh, that's an interesting, uh, in, interesting sort of mixture there, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I I would say that yeah, the problems of Bridget Jones's baby. You've kind of that you've hit the nail on the head there. We're talking about the the birthing scene. Is that it's 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 a fantasy, but it's a fantasy that tries to ground itself in this person. Like um, you know, you think you think about you think about Bridget Jones and Jonas. Like oh, I'm this bumbling person who nobody can love. Um, oh, I'm so unattractive, but actually I'm very attractive. Um, oh, I can't find love apart from there's two people that constantly want to be with me in every single film. Um, oh, I'm I'm such a disaster with my career apart from, no, you're not. You had a really comfortable job in publishing that moved into a comfortable job in television. Um, and then the only time where you haven't had that comfort is in either a prison that you ended up in in a very strange <laughs> set of set of events um and then uh which i don't think you can really count as a serious grounded attempt at, at showcasing this person as a as a normal human being um or then losing your job because quite fairly you decided to interview the um the driver of the general rather than the general which maybe it's kind of racist that you see this person who's asian walking into your building and you automatically assume that he's the the general um yeah maybe <laughs> you know maybe i'm reading too much into it as a subtext there but i mean no i think you might be right um <laughs> definitely racist it's, yeah and uh you should probably know what he looks like if you're going to interview this high profile person um so i think he's probably that the, the the company was probably fair enough to sack her for that um so and and then of course you know obviously that would have been a big problem and that would have been a, a struggle for this person that's apparently constantly struggling except she has the help of two incredibly rich people to look after her yeah one of whom as you say is not just rich but obscenely rich obscenely rich yeah exactly um and so yeah it so the the series has never been a real representation of the struggles of a normal person as much as it tries to be and and as much as they kind of framed it as that in the first place and that's where they found it where it found its success um but it's particularly obvious that it's kind of gone off the rails from that in this film isn't it it, it feels even more unrealistic than the film where she ends up in a thai prison yeah I, I don't think it was ever claiming to be a bastion of class struggle was it but i think it's like it does just stray very very far away from that ideal doesn't it yeah yeah exactly you know it's, it's gone completely off off track here um which you know may, maybe you can enjoy that but i think it's another sign of it being dated where you look at the kind of movies that that used bridget jones as a template to showcase a little bit more of a realistic a little bit more of a flawed character like um i can't remember have we talked about train wreck on this podcast no we have not um, but but that kind of feels like it's a, it's a Judd Apatow movie with I don't know if you've seen it. Amy, Amy Schumer. Schumer. It? Uh, no, I haven't um, seen it. I which, generally think she's very funny. Which yeah, which yeah, it's it's um, we we should talk about it at some point. 
Um, but that kind of feels like the direction that these kind of movies would go in after Bridget Jones, where you've got this rather than someone whose career is struggling and but who also struggles to find love, who just have, happens to stumble into it in a very set of romantic circumstances in that she's got a decent career, but she's um, she doesn't want a committed relationship um, and then kind of has those kind of struggles around it. Um, but again, it's, it's that more grounded, flawed character dynamic that Bridget Jones kind of helped put this kernel into the industry for. Um, and when you look at something like that, Trainwreck came out the year before Bridget Jones's Baby. And then you go and watch Bridget Jones's Baby, you can see, you know, in the last 15 years, things have really changed a lot with these movies. And Bridget Jones's Baby hasn't it hasn't managed to call back on itself enough to feel like this feel-good comfort watch like the originals still do. And it hasn't transformed itself enough to really compete with where the style of movie that Bridget Jones kind of helped popularise um, No, especially when they're the churning market. out a lot of those kind of films on Netflix by that point. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, you're looking at 2015, 2016. Um the machine is starting at that point, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's hard to compete. And, you know, this movie did well, I think, um, Bridget Jones's Baby, but you don't really hear people talking about it in the same way as they do the first two. No, it, it took a ridiculous amount of money at the box office and it was always going to because of the success of the other two films. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not had the same... Um, it's not had the same cultural impact as the original two. No. And part of that might be because Colin Firth throws his phone out of the window, which no one would ever actually do. <laughs> yeah. But he had to do that so that they could go to the hospital on the little Italian chuk chuk fan thing. Yeah, I think they should have um they should have done a cross uh a cross promotion with Little Italy at that point, shouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> and had Hayden Christensen turn up. Yeah. Him and Emma Roberts just rock up in their little thing and they're like, get on. Get in, losers. <laughs> Get in, losers. We're going birthing. Yeah, we're going to take you to the hospital. A few scenes after she walks, I don't know if you noticed this, but earlier in in the film, he, um, Mark Darcy says that he lives in Ealing, and then there's a moment when she, like heavily pregnant, walks from Borough Market to his house <laughs> in Ealing. That's a really long way. That is, yeah, for, for those of you who don't know um, London... Borough Market is <laughs> it's a very long way from Ealing. Borough Market, you're looking at kind of central, um, you know, close to close to London Bridge, very, very close to London Bridge. Um, Ealing is out towards <laughs> It's in Westland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's out towards Wembley almost, isn't it? Yeah, um, Wembley's sort of above Ealing. Yeah, is is yeah. just above Ealing. You know, that is a really long way to walk. Um <laughs> It's 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 truly amazing, um, and so. it was like it would have been okay to show her walking to his house. It, all they would have had to do was cut out the line earlier where he said he lives in Ealing, but yeah, they didn't do it, walked, and that struck yeah. me as sort of lazy and a, a thinking that it's the kind of detail that people don't notice. And yeah, again, it's it's uh, you know how many people that watch Bridget Jones know the geography of London? How many of them know the way that these different industries work? How many of them really know about? sort of birth in the same way three hours 26 minutes according to google <laughs> is that Maps. is that how long it will take to walk yeah um so yeah it's um it's again it's all a, it's all a it's all a fabrication 
it's a, it's a, um, it's it's all a lie. You might remember that I was working on a book for a while. I'm not very good at finishing books because I always have too much to do. Hmm. Um, Tell me uh, about it. Well, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and um, the main sort of premise was a kind of metafictional thing about someone who's a side character in a rom-com who realises they're a side character in a rom-com. And the whole opening sequence was the kind of fictional version of london where you could get in your mate's motorbike and sidecar for instance and then they'd be able to drive you from from clapham to to king's cross in 15 minutes with no traffic yeah um in order to to catch your train um and yeah that's the kind of movie that this is isn't it um it's the kind of movie that isn't it romantic was taking the pee out of yes absolutely so so yeah so it it feels dated, but it doesn't. I don't think it necessarily knows how dated it feels, and it doesn't play into it enough to really make it satisfying. No, but I hope it's obvious to everyone watching it that at six, seven months pregnant, you cannot carry a Christmas tree. Oh, and that's what if if you're a weakling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, don't know about you, Paddy, but if I was seven months pregnant, I'd be perfectly happy you carrying you two could, Christmas trees. It. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, there's only yeah, one way no. to find out, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. It's to recreate the film Junior, starring you. <laughs> yeah. Who who will be my Danny DeVito? Me. You'll be the Danny DeVito. Tool, oh, no, tool. I mean the film Twins. No, yeah, you're thinking of yeah, Twins. Jun- uh, no, no, Danny DeVito's in Junior as well. He's in Junior as well. Yeah, What's his I role know. in Junior? I haven't he's seen the, it since about 1991. He's the other... Uh, there, there's three scientists in that movie. Emma Thompson, again, obviously. Oh, um, okay. Arnold so Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the most obvious scientist to be cast in any movie ever. Um, and Danny DeVito is the other one. He's the oh, other scientist. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, do not do not ever question my knowledge of Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> movies, Paddy. You should know this fine. I now. think we need to watch this film. Do you want to watch it next? We could, we could do, unless you, you, had an, you had an idea. Well, let's finish. Well, um, let's, let's wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we can. Yeah. I think we should throw that one into the hat. Okay, okay. I think I think we might have to watch it now that we've talked about. And it's got a three road. It's got Emma Thompson as a doctor again. Yeah. Um so so yeah, maybe maybe this will have to be the time where we finally talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger on this podcast. Cuz we yeah. we've not we've not watched another an Arnie movie before, have we? I don't know if we have, you know. No. There's basically only Junior and Kindergarten Cop that we can realistically watch, but There's got to be some romance um, in Hercules of New York, right? <laughs> Hercules in New York. Yeah, there's some romance in it, but I don't think it's a it's a strong enough part of the of the plot to watch. Um, whereas Junior and um, Junior and Kindergarten Cop do. I don't think Twins has enough necessarily. It's more about what if what if Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito were um, <laughs> were twins. Um, but anyway, right? Uh, yeah. What else do you want to say about Bridget Jones's baby? Um. I th- I think that pretty much carries it, doesn't it? Just that, like, yeah, there's a lot of forced cringe humiliation humour, just like the others, like where she she leaves her bags in a bank and locks herself out. It just it just feels like it's unnecessarily prolonging it, and again, making sort of gags at the ex- expense of good story. But yeah, overall, ev- everything you said has been has been completely right and reasonable. I think it's if you enjoyed the first two, then it's worth a watch. 
I'm sure, but I don't expect to be blown away or to like really, really be falling about laughing. It's it's a passable sequel with a lot of flaws. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's not uh, it, it it's not to up to par with the other two. Not not even up to par with the second one. It's um, it's it's uh, it's. <sighs> I think if you're a fan of the other two, you can probably watch it and enjoy it, but it's not, it feels a little bit like a shell of, of, of what it could have been. Yeah. I, I agree with all of that. Sorry. I'm just looking at the poster for Hercules in New York and it says at the top, it says it's tremendous. It's stupendous. It's fun. I wish more <laughs> films had that kind of had the balls to stand up and say that, you know, have you ever watched Hercules in New York? No, it's a very bad film. Um, he was dubbed over um, in it because his English was too bad and they didn't think people would be able to understand his accent. Yeah. Um, it's it's a pretty awful <laughs> movie, but we should watch it at some point just for the novelty of it. Um, so a little bit of trivia here for you. Um, so uh, you were talking about that line from Emma Thompson about her ex-husband saying that giving watching a giving breath was like watching his favorite pub burn down that was actually a line from robbie williams oh um that he said during an interview that's Um, disappointing because i love robbie williams but i don't appreciate that no um but he does know something about um body mutilation if you've ever watched uh the video to rock dj oh yes (laughs) yeah one of my it's a great, great song, great video, but yeah, that's a stupid thing. Very to say, much the Robbie. precursor to Rebel Wilson unzipping her skin in cats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Only, you know, Rock DJ. It is called Rock DJ. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Song, yeah. Um, was, um, was, uh, was meant to be horrific, whereas I think in cats it was meant to be enjoyable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hmm. So uh, initially it was, it was meant to be, meant to start filming, uh, in autumn 2010 but then went for a bit of development hell in terms of directors and writers they were trying to get the rights um, to use rude box obviously <laughs> exactly exactly um and then finally uh, just a little bit of a through ray to a movie that we 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 enjoy more than this um this is the second time that colin firth has been a potential cuck um the the other time being of course mamma mia which is a much oh, more enjoyable yes. film yeah and you should all go watch Mamma Mia if you've not, because it is a joyous little movie. It's a much better film than Bridget Jones's Baby, as is Mamma yeah. Mia 2, actually. Yeah, it, you know, I don't enjoy Mamma Mia 2 as much as Mamma Mia, um, but it is much better than, than than this. Can you imagine if they'd had Pierce Brosnan playing Jack Quant? Would have been oh, so that good. would have been so good. <laughs> go back in time and cast Pierce Brosnan, you cowards. That's what I'm going to do. As um, soon as the time machine gets invented, that's the first thing I'm going to do. Just cast Pierce Brosnan in every movie. Um, right, so how are we going to rank Bridget Jones's baby then? Uh, let's see. How many questions do you have to answer on your dating app to get the right answer in the cool algorithm of Jack Quant? So so I get Jack Quant's grimacing face going 97% after uh, nine questions for me. Oh, blimey. I I think I probably agree with that. Yeah. Nine, uh, nine sounds about right. Actually, no, maybe maybe I'm going to go 
I'm going to go one lower even and go eight just for because I really didn't like all the, the way it approached birth and pregnancy and all the sexist stuff around that and useless dads and such. You've got a non-useless dad here, movie. Feel his wrath. Yeah. I'm, I'm a useful dad. You've got a useful dad. Yeah. Who could, he could carry a, a, a forest at seven months pregnant. I absolutely Paddy. could. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll take all you, your Christmas Jones's trees. Baby. <laughs> I'm going to take all the Christmas trees and distribute them to everyone in Bridget Jones's building. <laughs> Except her. Except her. She can do it herself, clearly. As the yeah, she's goes. a strong, independent woman who needs two men. Um, yeah. Can I, before we go, a major plot point that I've not talked about that I really hated is her not telling either man that there was another potential father for far too long into this oh, movie. Oh, yeah, that this, was stringing it out, wasn't it? Th- this isn't a a high school rom-com where someone's like, oh, should I tell my boyfriend about this other guy who wrote me a love letter? This is a baby, Yeah, <laughs> you know? This is not the same, and you should not use a trope like that in a movie like this. Yeah. Um, but anyway, right, next next, next movie, next movie. To, to all the tech CEOs I've loved before... <laughs> exactly um so it's funny that you should mention a netflix um property uh because the kissing booth three is out next week okay but I think, okay i think it might be a bit too late for us to watch it for the next episode so it might have to be the episode afterwards um so i had a look on there and there's a couple of other recent rom-coms that i feel like we could watch but now that you've mentioned junior do you want to go ahead with Junior? I, I think I kind of next? do. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Well, well, let's do Junior next. Then we can do the Kissing Booth three after that, and then I'll maybe I will pick up one of the other two new rom coms. Yeah. Um, Junior nineteen ninety four. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's not a baby. That's that's right. Yeah. That's the movie. Put that cookie down. Put that baby down. <laughs> um, cool. I'm excited so- for that. Yeah, you get, I mean, this is the first Danny DeVito appearance on this podcast as well, isn't it? No, we've done Death to Smoochie, haven't we? Oh, yes, we did. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, ignore me then. This is the second Danny DeVito appearance. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Yeah, but we, we hope you enjoyed Bridget Jones's Baby if you watched it and the others because, you know, important artefacts of British culture and important in the romantic comedy canon. First one's great, second one's... Third one's... But yeah, the steady decline of Britain from 2001 <laughs> through to 2016. Yeah, you can see it if you watch all three of those films. Back yeah, to this, back. this, it, all, all of Bridget Jones is just an allegory for Britain's gradual decline into ineptitude. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll be back next week to talk about Junior. Um, there's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money, just kind of like a tip jar. No obligations, no subscriptions, nothing like that. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. You can email us Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, send us your tips. Would Would you be able to carry a Christmas tree at seven months pregnant? Yeah, send us. Would you fall in the mud at a festival and then have sex with Ed Sheeran? Of course you would. Who wouldn't? Oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we'll be back next week to talk about Junior. Alrighty, bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.